Welcome to the Diabetes Revolution podcast with Dr. Sarah Townley, the type 2 diabetes coach, clinical pharmacist, and mom of seven angels. You don't have to struggle and fight with your blood sugars for the rest of your life. I'm here to teach you the skills you need to control and even reverse this disease. There is such a thing as getting off your meds and creating a future free from diabetes. And you can have it too. Let's get down to business. Okay, did y'all miss me last week and the week before that? Yeah, like where have I been, right? (laughs) Sometimes you guys will send me messages like, when's your next podcast coming out? And I just want you to know it's because of my kids. I just blame them whenever something doesn't go right in my life. And I feel entirely justified in that. So (laughs) school got out. And as we do per tradition, we roll out on the last day of school. Well, it was like the morning after, like we are out of here. And we drove in our big van with our nine people family down to Utah. So it was like 13 hour drive and we just split it into two. And we went to St. George and played all week. And I just want to tell you guys how important it is to set your expectations. (laughs) Maybe you already know this, but for a long time, I have noticed that I need to call these trips and not vacations because (laughs) when I think I'm on vacation, I have this idea that this should involve relaxation and rest and pleasure And most of the time with seven little kids, it's not anything like that. But I like to say half the time was a lot of fun and half the time really sucked. (laughs) But we made some good memories. And if you guys are friends with me on Facebook, you get to see some really awesome photos. We are kind of crazy. We are pretty wacky because we are willing to haul seven kids into the desert, into like remote locations, you know, like places where you're not sure if you're hiking or you're swimming and there's like a baby strap to your body or yeah, like that time that Violet got lost at Zion National Park. She's nine, almost like those kind of moments, but then there were these epic moments where you were just in awe of the beauty of the earth and how beautiful that your life is. And so we soaked up all the moments we could. We made it back home and I was excited to get back to work because truly, you guys, this summer I have been contemplating deeply how I can show up in my business, which I run from my home which will have a lot of children present during the week when I'm used to them being at school. And I've just deliberated over this so much. And this past week, we kind of had a breakdown because our daycare just randomly closed one morning and didn't tell us. And so we were just all confused because they just changed ownership. And this is like day three. And so, yeah, I've been struggling with that. But I have to brag a little bit on my kids. My oldest went with his best friend to ride dirt bikes all week. And so I called my three oldest together and they're, what, 12, 11, and almost nine. And I was like, okay, I have four clients scheduled today. Can you guys do this? Can we pull together and make this work? And you know what? They did. And it went incredibly well. 
I will say I did say many prayers. <laughs> But it did. It went so well. And this week, I'm just really, really grateful. And my husband said he wanted to make sure I got a podcast made. So you guys are getting to hear me on a Friday night while my husband is out somewhere in Billings, Montana with seven little kids. Or wait, there's six because my oldest is missing. (laughs) And I hope they're having a good time because I'm here with you and I'm having a good time. I have an awesome topic prepped for you tonight or today, wherever you are. And I think it's going to be really powerful for you. Now, I have noticed that I have been making a lot of podcasts around mindset and the different problems that happen in the mind that stop us from being able to intentionally create a healthy body. And I definitely have more topics like that lined up, but I wanted to throw one in here that was really about the nuts and bolts Like, give me the science, get me the information that will help me make progress right now. And so this is a topic that will help you apply what I teach to get results. And I want to just take a second to make sure I address the difference between having a continuous glucose monitor, which is like a Freestyle Libre or a Dexcom G6 or G7. These are monitors that keep a sensor in place on your body and give you the ability to continuously monitor your blood sugar. Why is that good? Well, I often use the metaphor that having a standard finger stick glucometer is a lot like having a flashlight in a dark room. Like you get only so much data in these pinpoint moments in time. Whereas having a continuous glucose monitor is a lot like flipping on the light switches. I'm going to demonstrate for you how that actually looks in real life when you have a CGM. Now, I'm going to tell you that having a CGM is not without overcoming some obstacles. It does require a prescription from your doctor. Okay, and so you, if you have a smartphone, which you probably do if you're listening to this podcast, you don't necessarily need a reader for a Freestyle Libre CGM. You can just use your phone, download the app, and scan the sensor. So all you need your doctor to send is a prescription to your pharmacy for the sensors, and they probably know, okay? But just in case, I'm telling you too, and I've actually had a couple clients that I still work with right now, whose doctors have denied their request for a Freestyle Libre, which actually enrages me (laughs) because it's preposterous, but it did happen. And so if you have that happen, if your doctor denies a prescription for a Libre for you, I want you to push back a little bit and ask why, because sometimes the doctor doesn't expect that you are willing to pay cash for it. Sometimes insurance won't cover these. Oftentimes they won't, and you may have to pay for the sensor. And so you're looking at 30, 40 bucks a sensor that lasts two weeks. So a month supply, I pay 75 bucks at Costco. Okay. And some doctors are thinking you won't want to do that. So they just say no. Some are going to say, well, why would you want that? You don't need that. 
And I want you to just push back and say, actually, I do want it. I do need it because I want to be able to use this information to help me heal, to help me figure out how to manage this disease. And what we really mean when we say manage is cure or reverse, but maybe we don't want to say that to the doctor who just denied us one of the most important tools that we need in order to do that. (laughs) But at the minimum, you could just go to Walmart and buy yourself or Amazon and buy yourself a cheapo glucometer, a finger stick that you can just prick your finger and get a reading, okay? That one definitely isn't as easy to use and it's also not convenient, but it will give you the information and that's very empowering as I'm going to demonstrate for you in this podcast. You know, I just wanted to also mention that I had a client tell me the other day that she met somebody whose husband bought a watch that will monitor his blood sugar for him. And so I was like, what? That sounds crazy. And she said, yeah, it was only 35 bucks. So I bought one off Amazon. And I was like, "Mm -mm, something sounds wrong. So I did a little investigating. And I'm just going to tell you right now that technology is not yet available. If you buy a watch like that, it's not going to be accurate and dependable enough to use it the way that I'm going to show you how to use data, okay? So maybe it'll be in our future, but when it is, I can guarantee you that it will not be $35. It will be like $1,500 as it should. So, I mean, when you look at the cost of monitoring blood sugar right now as it is, $1,500 would actually be a pretty good deal. Okay, so what does blood sugar monitoring offer you? Well, it's going to offer you something very valuable. It's going to offer you awareness. And when you have awareness, you have the ability to respond. If you don't know what the blood sugar numbers actually mean, like you don't have any context, is this good? Is this bad? I do want you to go back and listen to the podcast called Is this blood sugar reading good or bad? That was published when this podcast first came out in September of 2021, okay? That is gonna help you understand what those blood sugar readings actually mean so that you can interpret it. Awareness comes after you understand what that blood sugar number means. If you don't know what it means, this is why people avoid checking their blood sugar. This actually makes me crazy when doctors tell their patients to check their blood sugar four times a day, but they're not using that information to do anything. They don't understand what it means, and they're not using it to make decisions, and so they're just logging it for months, which costs a lot of money and is super annoying to do, and then the doctor barely even glances at it when they come in with their log, right? Like, who would keep doing that? Nobody. So if you're not checking your blood sugar because you don't know what those numbers mean, who could blame you for that? Let's fix that, though. I can help you with that. Okay, so back to awareness. We can't change what we don't understand, right? We can't fix what we don't even know about. So what is it that we want to get aware of? Well, I like to also mention we're getting aware of data, which is what I call math, which is not drama, okay? So math versus drama. (laughs) Math is the number, 
And drama is this story we tell about that number that makes us feel terrible. (laughs) Y'all know what I mean. So remember that when we use that blood sugar number to feel bad, like we tell ourselves that we screwed up, we're never going to get better, it isn't working, whatever the story is that your brain offers you when it interprets that number, if you're using the data to feel bad, you're not going to be able to create anything but suffering, okay? And so we want to stay out of drama. What we are looking to do here is to learn, And to learn, we must stay in curiosity, much like a scientist. So we're looking for a few different things with this data. We're looking for trends, trends in your fasting blood sugar. That's really helpful. And also average blood sugar trends. So in your blood sugar monitor, whether you have a Freestyle Libre CGM or a standard glucometer, when you flip back to memory or you choose the average blood sugar option in the menu of the Libre app, you're going to have an option to look at your averages. If you flip back in a standard glucometer, it'll start with a seven-day blood sugar average. And what it's doing is it's looking at all the blood sugar readings that you've logged for the last seven days and giving you an average. Your Libre will also do this. And it's really helpful to be able to trend because those numbers, those estimated average glucose numbers are going to correspond with an A1C. So for example... A 7.0 A1C corresponds with an estimated average glucose of about 154. And there's about 29 points between each A1C percentage. So if you were looking for an A1C of 6.0, you would be looking to see that seven-day average or that average, whatever you're looking at, to be around 125. Okay, so that's really powerful. And if you can flip from 7 to 14 days to 30 days to 90 days, you can get an idea of how your blood sugars are trending over time, especially when you're working on it. You're actually focused on it and you're trying to affect some improvement in it. You can get trends as quickly as every seven days, and that is pretty powerful. The second thing we're looking for data on is all our mini day-to-day, moment-to-moment experiments. Experiments in testing foods or drinks, right? This is that eating to the meter method that I teach. Especially when different people have different responses to certain things and you're trying to find out from your body how it agrees with certain things like, I don't know, artificial sweeteners or sourdough bread. Pretty much anything you want to test is a science experiment on your body that you can learn from. We also are looking to test and identify foods and portions of foods that don't spike your blood sugar, right? When I say spike, I'm talking over 30-point rise in your blood sugar. And that is going to help you have better control over your blood sugar numbers and your trends over time. You also might be testing or running experiments on other things, like different kinds of exercise, right? Or different supplements or medications. Those experiments are gonna help you learn about how your body is reacting and responding to lots of different things. The third thing that we're gonna be looking for when we're looking at blood sugar reading data is 
learning how your body responds to things like stress, pain, sleep deprivation, okay? There's some other things that can affect your blood sugar that are very highly individualized. And so we can learn about how your body deals with all these different things if we have the ability to watch it respond by checking your blood sugar. So let's look at the daily application of monitoring in a way that illustrates how you would use this information to actually make decisions in the moment. So let's just go through a typical day. And I'm going to give some generic examples. So apply it to your life as you can. But we all wake up in the morning usually. So let's start there. And you're going to probably want to know what your fasting blood sugar is. Most people who are monitoring, this is at the top of the list of the best times to monitor. So fasting blood sugar is a typical time to monitor and it's a valuable time. So let's say you check your fasting blood sugar and it seems kind of high. You're like kind of a little bit like, what the heck, you know? And if you know you went to bed high, it was probably your evening meal, whatever you ate at dinner time, or maybe you ate even after dinner time something. But if you know you went to bed higher, you can see that that trend came down over time through the night as you were sleeping and you woke up higher than normal. That's important because if you overdid it on carbs or if you ate a lot of fat at dinner time, because too much fat in your diet will slow down the trend of falling over time. That might be something you've never heard before, okay? And so if you eat a lot of fat at dinner, it's going to keep your blood sugars kind of higher. And when you wake up in the morning, it'll still be high from the fat that you ate at dinner time. So when you're looking at a high blood sugar reading in the morning and you're thinking about what could have caused that in your evening meal, you're probably going to learn something. It's a learning opportunity to discover what it was that you did in your diet that produced a result you don't love or you don't want to continue to see. If you did some late night snacking, what is it that needs to change here? What is it that you want to try differently to see if you can drive the blood sugar reading in the morning that you want to see? So what do you want to do about it, right? There's that piece too. It's like learning, but then also, do I want to take an action here? Do I want to make a decision? You might decide you're going to delay your first meal a little while until your blood sugar trends come down. If you're not that hungry, why would you eat when your blood sugar's high and your body clearly has plenty of fuel right now? Or you might decide you want to go for a walk or do a workout before you get started for the day. We're looking at response. We're looking to learn and then to take action. So let's say you move on, you grab a morning coffee or a tea, and you try something new or different in there. I had a client this morning who, while we were coaching, she was drinking her coffee and she put something new in it this morning. It was some oat milk. And she tested before, and as we were coaching, she watched it rise. She watched it go all the way up more than 30 points with just the oat milk in her coffee. And she also had put some stevia in there, by the way. But if you're in a fasted state, it's ideal to see no increase in your blood sugar with your coffee because we don't want to flip on the hormone insulin, which breaks your fast because it moves you from a fat burning state of fasting into a fat storage state, 
Okay, that's essentially what breaks your fast. And so she knows now, hey, you know what? Oatmeal is not really the best option for me. Um, She'll also test stevia by itself just to see if that could have also contributed to that rise. So we're still going to find out when she does her next next experiment. But you see how that one experience taught her something that changed her behavior and then also led to another hypothesis and another experiment that she will learn from. So then let's say in the mid-morning, you have a tough conversation with somebody and it felt pretty stressful. Okay, you were stressed out about it. You check your blood sugar and it's up. You decide it's a good idea to take a walk outside or do a quick deep breathing exercise or like a meditation just to help your nervous system calm down. And I actually think, you guys, that this is what is going on when people take a smoke break, right? Like they go outside, maybe with somebody that they feel comfortable and safe with, and they literally deep breathe, okay? Not that I recommend smoking, cigarettes because that actually causes insulin resistance directly in addition to all other kinds of problems. But just notice that people associate smoke breaks with relaxation or de-stressing. And I think that's why. (laughs) Okay, so let's move on through our day. At lunchtime, you decide to try the new sub shop nearby and you notice that they have lettuce wrapped sandwich options. And that sounds good to you. And You check your blood sugar before you order and you see it's still a bit elevated from that biatch you had to deal with earlier. So you skip the cookie. An hour later, your blood sugar looks golden and you aren't having the afternoon crash in energy that comes with the cookie. Booyah, right? You're on a freaking roll. (laughs) So now before dinner, you're driving home, you scan your sensor or you test your blood sugar when you get home. And you see that it's at an all-time low. (laughs) Hallelujah, right? You text your coach or your best friend or whoever cares that you get to celebrate with. And you gloat. And then we all shake our booty with delight. Okay? That's called celebrating. And it's very important. (laughs) And you're feeling so proud of yourself that you don't want to break the spell of success. So you eat on point at dinner making a big, yummy, fresh taco salad and enjoying every bite. And then you top it off with a handful of Lily's chocolate chips, which are stevia sweetened, by the way. And you feel just so accomplished, okay? Then later on, your partner or your kids gets out the ice cream after dinner and asks you if you want some. Well, heck yeah. I mean, no, no, I don't. Well, maybe maybe just a little bit right? And so you have a bowl of ice cream eaten a few bites at a time, right? With the spoon and you keep going back for more and you keep putting it away in the freezer and then you keep getting out more. (laughs) Dang it. (laughs) This is why you need to hire Sarah to help you shut this down because your blood sugar is now 184. (laughs) It was up over 50 points from that daggone ice cream. And because you know this, you decide to talk some smack to your kids or your husband or whatever, to goad them into playing pickleball with you. Or maybe your style is to like go walk your dog or mow your lawn or whatever. You end up doing some physical activity that you probably otherwise wouldn't have done if you hadn't seen that number on the glucometer. 
And then you burn up all that sugar and you head to bed with that trend much better. Your number's looking better and is trending down. Okay, see? This one day showing you how having awareness guides and informs your response and your actions and essentially the results you're going to create. Having a CGM just magnifies your awareness and response pattern. But any data is helpful as long as you don't use the data to mean you suck, okay? If you do that and you find it's keeping you stuck or causing you to get off track for spells of time, greatly interfering with your success, you need support. If you don't know how to interpret the data and you are in confusion a lot, which causes you to take no action, you need some support. If you're the one who keeps eating the things you know are making you sick and you can't seem to consistently do what works, you need some support. And if you're the one who is seeing overall good trends and eating, quote, healthy, but it's not seeming to work for you, whatever your goal is, get off your meds, reverse your diabetes, you need some support. So what the heck are you waiting for? Go on my website and fill out the application to work with me. The only regret that you will have is that you did not do it sooner. All right, I will see you on the next podcast. Okay, don't leave yet. You're gonna wanna hear about this. If you love my podcast, if I'm the only sane voice you found on this subject, if I've already helped you, you need to check out my online course. It's a start-to-finish, step-by-step video course that teaches you all the tools you need to know to beat this disease. You can find it on my website, sarahtownley.com, along with lots of other free tools that will make taking care of your diabetes so much easier. So get over there right now. See you there.